So, we've been in a series for a couple weeks called Captivated, and the basic thought we've been putting out there is, what's captivating you? You know, we, we can get captivated by good things, and we can get captivated sometimes by wrong things. And what I'm talking about is in our mind, in our thinking. You know, that's, that, that has such a big part to do with our daily walk, is how we think. How we think. You know, what, what kind of thoughts are coming into our head? What kind of thoughts? You know, thoughts will come into everybody's head. It's a matter of which thoughts you let stay in your head, okay? Because you can be, you know, on fire, Christian, and you can have a bad thought come into your mind. It doesn't mean you're not good. It, doesn't, it just means you're, you're living on a, in a fallen world and there's all kinds of crazy things flying around out there, okay? But you, we need to choose and select what kind of things we allow to stay in our head. You see, there's a, there's a war going on. There's warfare going on, and it happens between our ears. And I want to share this morning um, some, a filter that I think we all need to have that thoughts run through. Do you guys have filters? Sometimes. Well, that's, that's true. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I tell you what, there's a filter that I always want to run thoughts through. Let me read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 3 through 5. Paul said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I tell you, Paul wasn't messing around. He saw that this is, you know, it actually has the potential of being life or death. What am I going to think? How am I going to think about God? How am I going to think about myself? How am I going to think about the people in my life? He said, you need to cast down something, some arguments. Did you ever argue with yourself? Did you ever have an argument that never went any further than your mind? You know, Paul said, some of those arguments, you need to cast them down. You need to not let them exist in your thinking. In Romans 8, 31 and 32, he said this. He said, what shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Really, in, in that verse, it capsulizes what I'm going to tell you this morning. You know, the filter that I, I live by, that, that, that I, I do my best to run thoughts through and, and, and see if this is one I'm going to let stay or not, is, is, is this very thing. God is for me. God is for me. God is a good God. If God's for me, who could be against me? When thoughts come into my mind that, that are contrary to this, that God is a good God, I know and I recognize this. That's not a thought I can let stay in my mind. Are you out there today? Good preaching, Pastor. Yeah, okay, good. This is, this is living. This is, this is how Christianity walks out. 
is we choose what we think. We choose to put our minds on God. It, I think it's in Isaiah. It says he keeps you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Stayed on him. You know, there's something about keeping your mind stayed on him. There's something about seeing God for who he really is. You know, if, if we think that God isn't good, if we think that our problems are coming from God, you know, it's very hard to resist that kind of thinking. You know, if we think, you know, if we get a bad thought about God and we think, well, you know, God just, he's, he's trying to test me. He's trying to see how far, you know, he can push me. It's very hard to, to, to resist that thing that's coming against you if you think it's coming from God. You hear what I'm saying? All right. Uh, of course, in John 10, 10, Jesus told us this. He said that it's a thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he said, I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Very clearly laid out that there is a thief in this world. There's a devil out there. And he comes, his mission is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus, he came to give us life and to have that life in abundance. One version said that you'd have life and have it in an overflowing measure. You know, that you'd, you'd have it pouring out of you. You know, that you'd be a gooey mess in the spirit. And it's the life of God that's coming out and affecting the people around you. Can you say Jesus? Jesus is the life giver. Amen. So I'm talking about thoughts. I'm talking about running our thoughts through a filter. And the filter I'm talking about is this, that God is a good God. That God is for you, not against you. Are you hearing me this morning say that? Say, God is for me. He's not against me. If God's for me, who could be against me? That's the question Paul asks. He says, man, he says, I'm just captivated by this. God is for me. And if he's for me, I tell you, the whole world could come against me. But God's on my side. You see, that's the kind of thinking that'll put you over in life. God's not trying to poo-poo you. He's not trying to rain on your parade. He's not trying to bring bad things, you know, to test you in life. I tell you, this world will test you, you know. You don't need any further than that. This world will bring all kinds of things, but God is on your side. He's for you. James said it like this. He said, let no one say, in James 1.13, he said, let no one say when he's being tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that like, that's a bold thing to say, James. Say, you're going through a test or trial? Don't, aren't we supposed to blame God for things like that? See, God doesn't bring these things against you. He's not the tempter. He's the deliverer. You know, James laid these things out because he realized in the life that we're living, it's possible for a believer, for a born-again, spirit-filled believer to be deceived into thinking the wrong thing. And James, he just had to put it out there clearly that guys, as you're walking through life, we're all walking through life. You know, we're all, you know, when it rains, did you know that it rains, it rains on the just and the unjust alike? Did you know that? Do you know that even though you're a good Christian, if you go out in the rain, you need an umbrella if you're going to stay dry. 
Isn't that something? How it just falls on you? But, but I'm telling you, James said he knew this was going to happen. He says, but the, the thing that's going to set you apart, he says, is don't allow this kind of thinking to enter your mind. That God's out trying to get me. That God's the tempter. Know this. You know, if he got together with Paul, they could have preached a really good sermon. He said, know this, that God is for you. He's not against you. He's rooting for you. You know, he didn't hold back Jesus, but he put him in the game for us. And it says, if he did that, won't he, you know, with him freely give us all things? That's who God is. So in Isaiah uh, chapter 5, I just wanted to read this scripture. It says, woe. You know, you got to really hold on when it starts with woe. And woe, in this case, isn't, isn't a good thing. You know, it's not, a, it's not, he's not cheering somebody or saying, wow, that's fantastic. Wow, woe. No, it's woe. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So what's Isaiah saying here? He's saying, man, don't attribute what the devil is doing in the world to God. Don't be calling good evil and evil good, okay? Ha, huh. my, my, my. We need to know who God is. You know, if there's ever a day, you know, pre preachers have probably said this every decade, every century. They probably said, if there's ever a day, we got to get it straight. You know, it's this, because I tell you, we're living in a world that's, that's, that's got evil things coming against us. But we need to have our thinking straight. We need to know that God is on our side, that he is a good God. And as thoughts come bombarding our minds, we need to run them through that filter and say, all right, is this one I'm going to allow to stay in my head? All right, James goes on in verse 16. He says, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. So God doesn't, wake up grumpy one day or God doesn't throw in the towel because it turned 2020 there's a new year coming did you guys know that Christmas is coming but there's a new year coming too and you know I have great expectation you know for what God is doing on the earth through us in the year 2021 tell you what he's done good things in 2020 too he has there's been good that's happened in the world this year you know, there's a bunch of junk going on. But even in the midst of all the chaos, God stands up. God shines. And he wants to shine through you and me. It's important that we think right about who he is. It will cripple us to get our attention on God and thinking of him in the wrong way. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, our attention needs to be on God. But we need to, we need to have it on him in the right way and realize that he's on our side, that we're on his side, that he's rooting for us. I, I um, have been on an airplane the last week and a half a number of times because I flew out to Portland. And, and um, I'm reminded of something that happened to Dana and I. Has anybody ever flown on Southwest Airlines in here before? 
If you haven't, let me just tell you what's different. One of the things that's different about Southwest is the way they board a plane is completely different than any other airline I've ever flown with. You know, since I've grown, been a kid, you know, and I've gotten on a plane, we've gotten a boarding pass, and when we get that boarding pass, there's, there's a little seat number assignment on that, and so as soon as I get the boarding pass, I usually know exactly where I'm going to sit. I'll go, okay, there it is. I'm sitting by a window, or I'm sitting by, in an aisle. You're not in an aisle, but by an aisle. Hopefully you're not sitting in the aisle. It could be a problem. Anyway, but... Uh, Southwest does it totally different than, than airlines I've been, you know, flown with in the past. They don't give you an assigned seat. They give you an assigned group, okay? So how does that work? Well, what they do is they give you three groups, A, B, and C. Within each of those groups, you're assigned a group and a number. And you line up according to the group and number. And then once you get on that plane, any seat you want, you can take as long as no one else is sitting in it, okay? But, but so it's open seating. You could you can get on the plane, you could sit in the front row, you could sit in the back row if you wanted to. You know, you could sit anywhere and, and, and take your pick, you know, as long as, again, the seat is open. So the first time we did this, you know, it was, we were like, wow, this is really different. But I kind of like it. And we, we happened to, to, you know, we were on a trip one time, and I think we had a couple layovers, so we'd, we'd gone through this whole procedure about three or four times, and we're on our last leg coming home. And we had the A group, which meant we got to be in the first group to get on there and pick our seats. So when Dana and I fly together, you know, we're pretty routine. Dana gets the window. I get the middle. I sit next to Dana and protect her from anybody that would sit on the end or something like that. Huh? Yeah, I won't go to that story. But anyway, see, when I fly by myself, I sit in the aisle because I'm ready to get out of there as soon as I can. That's my thinking. But, but uh, so this particular uh, trip, you know, Dana sat, she got in there, we got her into a window seat, and I sat right next to her, and, and uh, I'm just kind of doing what everybody does once they're seated. You're watching the crowd to see who's going to sit next to you. Does anybody else ever do that? I do that. I do that. And I usually have my headphones on, you know, and, and just kind of can be in my own world and just kind of watch people. This is, this is usually what I do. Sometimes I take them off and talk to the person, but... But anyway, so I watched this woman coming down the aisle, and, you know, she looked like she had some determination on her, and as I remember, she had her boarding pass in her hand, and she's checking the rows, and, and she gets up to the row that Dana and I are sitting in, and she stands there, and she looks at me, and she goes, sir, do you want the middle seat? And I was kind of shocked by that. So I looked at her, and I looked at Dana, I looked back at her. I said, yeah, I want the middle seat. And she looked at me kind of disturbed. And, and, and um, I didn't quite figure out what was going on. But, you know, she just kind of sat down in a huff. And, and I'm thinking, what, what was wrong with that? I mean, you know, I, most people don't want the middle seat. But, but she did. And, and, and um she put her headphones on and was in her world, but, but I could sense the vibe, the vibe that I was getting from this woman was she was angry at me. 
somehow she wanted that middle seat. Apparently she wanted to be surrounded by, by people or something, but, but, but she wanted that thing. And, and I could just, it was like so real, I could feel it, you know, throughout the trip. I could feel this, this, this emotion coming from her that she was upset with me. And about halfway through the flight, I figured out what happened. Is she had in her hand the ticket, and in her, in her ticket it was boarding group B, and her number happened to be the same row that we were in, okay? So in her mind, she was in that row, and seat B is the middle seat. And she wanted her seat. Now, the plane was only about half full, and the reality was she could have sat anywhere she wanted. She could have had a window seat. She could have had a middle seat. She could have had an aisle seat. You know, she might have even been able to stretch out across a, a row. I don't know. There was a lot of empty seats, though. And she, was, she had her, you know, headphones on, so, you know, that's the universal sign for don't talk to me. You guys know that, right, when you fly? And, and so she, I couldn't talk to her, but, but as I realized what was going on, I wanted to defend myself. I wanted to say, lady, I'm really a nice guy. You know, you've got me all wrong. You think I'm being a jerk because I'm sitting next to my wife in the middle seat, and you think I'm sitting in your seat. You know, she got off the plane and still had her headphones on. And, and, and she just, I watched her because, you know, we're walking through the, the airport there and we stopped and, 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 and I saw her coming and she just had a huff about her. It, it totally blew her out of the water that I took her seat that whole trip. And I never was able to explain to her that the truth was you just didn't understand the boarding procedure. And then I got to thinking, how many people have gotten tripped up in life and thought God was some meanie, taking their seat, blowing the whole system, not letting them be who they're supposed to be, not letting them thrive in the middle seat. They go through life with a hoof, you know, they're putting their foot down and just kind of got an attitude about them because God's a bad God. Have you ever been misunderstood? Well, you know, we don't want to misunderstand who God is. We want to have our head on straight. We want to be, be realizing that, that we're not in this thing alone. Honestly, I don't know what 2021 bring, is going to bring. I never really thought 2020 was going to bring the things that it brought. You know? You get senses about things, but you just don't all know all the details. Whatever it is, though, God's with us. God is for us. He's going to stand with us. You know, whatever the devil tries to throw, I'm telling you what, God is going to rise up big in our lives. He's not the tempter. He's not coming to make people sick. Sometimes people have thought, well, God will make people sick so that they can learn something. Now, I won't argue the fact that you can learn something while you're sick. I've done that. Okay? I'm not disputing that. I'm not saying that God doesn't show up, you know, in tragedies and teach people things. What I am saying is he doesn't need sickness to teach you. 
You can learn a lesson without being sick. That's a revelation right there. You can learn something without going through a tragedy. You know, things like that happen on this earth, and we should always be learning. But you should always know that God isn't bringing those things in your life to teach you. Okay? You following me today? I know I, I can, can definitely be kicking over sacred cows today. <laughs> Revelation 12, verse 10. I'll read 11 just because I like 11. You got scriptures you just want to read because you like them? Like Stephen reading Ephesians this morning. He wanted to read the whole chapter. I get it. It's a great chapter. It says, Then I heard a loud voice in, uh, saying in heaven, Salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. That's the part I want to focus on, but I'll read the next one. It says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their, love their lives uh, to the death. So this scripture talking about the devil gives us some insight into who he is and how he operates. He's called the accuser of the brethren who day and night, his mission is, is to bring accusation, okay? He's the finger pointer. He's the one that got in that woman's head and said, that guy there, he's in your seat. You better give him a piece of your mind. Give him the cold shoulder. Those kind of thoughts came, okay? That's what the devil does. I don't blame that woman. I've fallen into that kind of a trap myself before. You see, because there's a mean devil who's out there accusing people. All right. In Numbers 21, verses 4 and 5, I, I, again, Numbers 21, it's hard to not read this whole story. A lot of you know this story, but, but to me, I was looking at it this week, and I thought, this is a picture of spiritual warfare. This is the kind of thing that goes on in people's minds, in their heads, and it's the devil fighting you for your stand in Christ. He's fighting you for your confidence in life. He's fighting you for, for your relationship with God. See, one of the things that he'll do is come against the very character of God and try to diminish it in your life. He'll try to dirty it in your life. Try to make God someone he really isn't and confuse you. So these people in Numbers, which you can know about them, is it's, it's talking about the children of Israel, the people that are, 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 are connected with God, have a covenant with God. And they're on their way to, you know, the promised land. They've been delivered from bondage and slavery and all kinds of things seen the salvation of God. They're actually on the path of God. But it says in verse 4 of Numbers 21 that as they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. So I'd ask this question, have you ever been discouraged? 
You know, of course, we all have. We've all had thoughts of discouragement come. What I find interesting is that these people were following the plan of God when discouragement came. Did you know that you can be right in the middle of the plan of God and have discouragement come on you? In fact, it's probably a given that it's going to try to happen, okay? And it's to try to get you from walking out your full course. Many people start the race, but few people finish their race, okay? We want to be those that finish the race, okay? We want to be those that have the right mindset about God because that will sustain you and get you to the end of your course. It says that when this happened, they became very discouraged, not just discouraged, but they throw in the word very discouraged down the way. These people were down in the mullet grubs, okay? Their, their minds had, had, had stooped to a new low. It says in verse 5 that when that happened, the people began to speak against God and against Moses. And I can tell you this, the reason they did is because when the discouragement set in, the accuser of the brethren, he got on his tippy toes and he saw an opening. He said, coming right in with some good thoughts. You're going to talk about God. You're going to talk about your leader. You're going to talk about, you know, the people around you. See, the devil will not just accuse your brethren. He'll accuse God if you let him. <laughs> we don't want to go through life in a huff, mad at God, okay? You see, because it's a path to defeat. They said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food, no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Isn't life, a big part of life is perspective, isn't it? This, was, this worthless bread they're talking about is manna from heaven. Can you imagine, what would you do if you came home today and, and you found out that you were going to have manna from heaven? It was going to float down from heaven. I'd be, I'd be kind of excited. I'd be like, wow, they don't serve that at the log jam. Wow, <laughs> manna from heaven. You know, but, and I'm sure that when this first began happening, it was in a time of desperation, you know, and God met their need by giving them this manna. I'm sure when they first had it, it was like they were, they were shouting. They were going, yeah. Whoa, God loves us. Look what he's done. He's given us manna. You know, I kind of think of it like pancakes or something, you know, with chocolate chips in them probably. That's probably what he did. But, but you know, but you see, the devil can take these things in your mind and shift them and, 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 and make you disgusted, make you loathe them, and, and make you discouraged, make you think that God's not for you that he's against you, make you complain about God, about your situation. Look beyond your situation. Your situation should not define you, okay? Let God define you. All right, look at Matthew 12 for a minute. 22, it says, They brought one to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, he had the triple thing going, demon-possessed, blind, and mute. They brought him to Jesus. Jesus healed him so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And, and the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? 
But the Pharisees heard it, and they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city, house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom your sons cast them out, who? therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Isn't it interesting? I mean, this is a, this is a downright miracle. The guy comes, he's demon-possessed, blind, and mute. And comes to Jesus, and he gets healed and delivered. Most of the people thought that was great. Most of the people said, wow, this is, you know, an act of God. But the Pharisees, you see, they had a hard heart. And when your heart is hard, even a miracle right before your eyes can bring you to the wrong conclusion. And, you know, I, I think back at a time when I was a new Christian, I, I had a guy I was working on that I worked with. You know, he wasn't following Christ, and, and I was witnessing to him. And I knew there was this event going on at the, the Minneapolis Auditorium, and so I invited him to come with me. It was this evangelist that was coming that was known for having a lot of signs and wonders happen in the meeting. And um, so anyway, I, I brought this, this, I, this guy actually said, I'll go with you. And I brought him to this meeting, and man, we saw some great things. We saw people get out of wheelchairs and run around the room, and it was, it was cool, you know. And, and I thought, wow, inside, this is my, my, my train. I'm thinking... Praise God. Now there's no denying Jesus is Lord. This guy's got to see it now. You know, he walked away and he reasoned all that out. You know, he's like, ah, oh, you know, they just got excited, jumped out of the chair, wasn't really God. All this kind of stuff. You know, your mind can take you places that would just amaze you. So the Pharisees, you know, they, they, they said, well, you know, this, this guy must have a devil. He's casting out devils by the power of the devil. And Jesus just plainly said, listen, you know, a house divided against itself can't stand. You know what Jesus did in his ministry? Peter summed it up as this. He went about doing good, healing those who were sick and oppressed by the devil. If Jesus was bringing that kind of stuff and then healing them, that kind of house could never stand. God is a good God. Sickness and infirmity do not come from him. Spiritual warfare takes place in our minds. Then we'll get thoughts like this. How can, good things, how can bad things happen to good people? You know what I'm going to tell you about that? I don't have the answer for all, every bad thing happens to a good person. I think I've been the good person that bad things have happened to sometimes. There's probably always a reason, but I'll tell you this. You're not always going to know the reason why something happens to someone else. And I will tell you this, don't allow yourself to get tripped up in that kind of reasoning, okay? Now, again, I was just in, in the city of Portland, and I go to Portland. Dana and I go to Portland. Pastor Stephen and Kara go there because we have family there. I have a son-in-law, a daughter. I have two grandchildren, and they have a dog that I also go to see. You know, and that dog, I'll tell you what, that dog loves Pops. That's me. I may be Pastor Paul here, but when I'm there, I am Pops. 
And I, I have secrets for being the, the beloved in the canine world. I carry dog biscuits in my pocket when I travel. I go through security with my pockets lined with dog biscuits. They may look suspicious. But I tell you what, I always get my treats to the dog. So as soon as I come in the house, they come right up to me. Looks like they're coming to give me a hug, but they're really sniffing my pocket because they know I've got the goods. And they go here. So in any case, you know, the reason I go is to see my kids and my grandkids. So this particular trip, I was only there a day or so and found out that Ben, my son-in-law, had to, to make a, a journey and he was going to be gone for a few days. And so I, I had enough flexibility that Pastor Stephen preached last Sunday. He was going to preach anyway. He just didn't have me here saying amen. But I was saying amen at the airport. And, and I even wrote it in, I believe. But um, so anyway, I stayed a couple extra days to help Casey, my daughter, with the two kids and the dog. And I found this out. This was the revelation that struck me, is that two kids and a dog is a lot of work for any human being. I found myself in, in the times there, you know, I, I actually enjoyed every minute of it, okay? But I found myself when I was up and the kids were up, of constantly plotting a strategy of what I'm going to do when those kids lay down to take a nap. <laughs> and I'd just jump on it. As soon as they were down, I'd be like, ha, ha, ha. And it could be something like, do the dishes or you know I made caramels while I was there gonna make the caramels and you know that seemed like a simple feat to just make some caramels but boy I tell you what trying to squeeze that in was took the grace of God and and um, so anyway one of the things that we tried to do every day at least once usually twice is to go on a, a family walk and usually you know we'd go a mile or two and you know and if it's nighttime we'd look at the Christmas lights and and that kind of stuff. That was fun. And, and uh, one particular day, it was just Casey and I getting the kids ready and the dog ready. And, and, and we're, it was raining out. You know, it's Portland, Oregon. It rains all the time. And, and it was raining, but, you know, we weren't going to be defeated. We were going to go ahead and brave the elements and, and go on a walk. And I, I kid you not, it took us an hour to get ready to go on that walk to get both kids in their proper attire, get the dog ready, get us ready, get the stroller ready. <sighs> All right, we can go. So, you know, I remember we just were starting off on the journey, and, and Pastor Stephen called me, and he was chatting, and I said, oh, it's going to be a short talk, you know. We look like a circus walking down the street right now, you know. We got our umbrellas up. I had an umbrella, big, one of those great big ones, and Casey had one of those great big ones. We couldn't get too close, or we'd have the clash of the umbrellas. And we're walking down the, the streets of Portland, and, and we were gone for about 40 minutes in this, this rainstorm. And, and it wasn't a storm, but it was steady downpour, kind of coming down, you know. It wasn't a drizzle. It was definitely rain. And so we're walking through this stuff and saw the lights and everything was, was great and, you know, got some exercise. And I remember the dog was especially feisty on this trip, too, you know. It was like every car that was get too close, he was like, whoosh, and he almost knocked me over, you know, because I'm holding the dog. And, 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 uh, but anyway, we get done 40 minutes or so, and we get back to the, the, the house. And the way that we come and go from the house when we take a walk is we come and go through the garage. So we have the garage door opener. And we get to the house, and we push the button for the garage door to open. And you know what happened? 
Yeah, nothing happened. Nothing at all happened. Do you know the kind of thoughts that go through your head when that situation arises? They're not pretty. They're not good. But I did a lot of praying and repenting and all kinds of stuff and said, God, help us. Help us, Lord. We can't be strand. You know, my son-in-law, Ben's not even home. You know, he's not, he's not in town. And we're just like there. And, and, and uh, we're standing out there in the rain you know, men and women of faith and power with our umbrellas over our head and, and two kids and a dog. And, and so, I mean, I did everything I knew to do. I took the, the garage door opener apart, took out the battery and, you know, tried to readjust it, you know what I mean, to make sure there's connection and all that kind of stuff. Nothing was working. I called a locksmith. I, I Googled, you know, closest locksmith, and I had one. I, was, I had our name on the list, so apparently this had been happening around Portland area at this particular time because we weren't, you know, there was a few that had to be serviced before they came to us. So, you know, the whole time we were walking up and down the street by their house so that, you know, the kids would be somewhat entertained if we just stood there perplexed in front of the garage door, wouldn't be long and we'd have crying kids. And, you know, besides the daughter and, and grandpa too. But anyway, but uh, we started walking to the other end of the block and looking at some lights and the whole time I'm just pushing that button and, you know, oh, come on. The red light would come on, but nothing would happen, you know. And, and so anyway, finally, we're down looking at the lights, and we look down the street. I didn't even see it happen. And Casey says, look, the garage door's open. So somewhere in there, it connected and went off. And so, you know, someone watching this whole experience might go, well, how come that happened to them? You know? I might have been saying that. How come, how come they got left out in the rain, looked like a nice family, and the rain's coming down on them, and their garage isn't opening. What's up with that? Well, the part I forgot to tell you about is this, that in the hour that it took to get ready before we went on this trip, there were at least two times where I had the strongest urge, I'll just call it an urge, to go over and unlock the front door. At least two times I remember it strong urge to go unlock that door and and I you know what I did I reasoned it away I reasoned it away I said oh we go on walks every day Casey they never open that front door we've got a garage door opener I don't need to do that you know that's the kind of thing I, I said back to that thought it came again you know two times it came to me and I both times I reasoned it away so I, 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 I realized this, that people are complex. We don't always know the whole story with every person. I'm not in any way saying this is the way it is with every bad thing that ever happens to any person. Not at all. I'm just telling you what happened to me. And I tell you this, this is why I said that when that garage door wouldn't open, I repented. I, I, just, and I did tell Casey after we got in, you know, this whole revelation. The inside never looked so good. <laughs> it was dry. There wasn't water anywhere that wasn't supposed to be. And I was just amazed at how everything was. It was so, so comfortable. But the whole time, God had tried to warn me twice. You'd think, you'd think you know, well, you're a pastor. You should hear God. Hey. 
I did. I repented. The thing I would say, too, is that God had mercy on me. God had mercy. You know, we looked because immediately when it happened, Casey called her husband. And we got back in, we looked at her, her phone, and we saw it had been 20 minutes that we were out there. But God had mercy on us. All I'm saying today is have the filter in your mind. God is a good God. That he's for you, he's not against you. You know, even when the whole world, and, and sadly, even in Christian circles, it's not really popular to say that God's a good God. You know, I've been preaching for 40 years, some manner, and I would say there's, there's no message that I've ever preached that's harder to get across, that, hard, that you get more resistance from than just simply saying God's a good God. It, it, it does. It pushes over sacred cows. Even when the whole world is thinking different, you can stand up. You have the power to choose your thoughts. I will read this. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Listen to it, though. It says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. Here's what I'm telling you. Is you and I, we have the power to choose. And even when everybody else might think something different, we can choose to think that God is a good God. In 2 Chronicles, two more scriptures, 16 and 9. It says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What's he doing that for? Looking for somebody to zap, right? No, it tells us. It says, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Wow. God's looking to bless you. God's on your side. Psalm 34, 8, love this scripture. It says, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. God's a good God. Thank you, Lord. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.